Welcome to Small Business Insights, where back office conversations give us insight to what's really going on. Is it grit or luck that gives a small business owner an advantage? Let's find out. I'm your host, Laura Fisher. All right. Well, welcome today. We have Jeremiah Anderson from Corvus Optimization Group. That's right. We make it better. All right. And tell me your title. You're the, you're the founder, the CEO. All those things. The owner. Uh, the guy that you call to yell at when it's not right. You are definitely an owner operator. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. We know what that means. Okay. So now tell us what this, this, the, your title doesn't tell us enough about what your business is. So tell us what you do. I know you're in the oil business and you go in and you, what do you do? Well, we help people with their accounting, right? So one of the things we do is we, we start off with uh, looking at the type of work that we have, where they're producing, what kind of trouble they're in. Because typically people are reaching out to us when they're in trouble. When do they know they're in trouble? Because the government, whether that's a state or feds, has hit them with an audit finding that shows that they've improperly reported their royalties and now they owe a bunch of money. All right. So we're, I don't want to get too much in the weeds before I ask who you are, where'd you grow up, what kind of education do you have? So Jeremiah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, see, I, I grew up in Bastrop, Texas. Oh. It's a little town outside of Austin. It's a beautiful town. Most people know it from the fire whenever it burned Yes. Up. But uh, yeah, I grew up there. When I moved there, it was only one stoplight. So I've got that story. I'm, an, I'm old enough now, I guess I can say <laughs> that. Uh, and then I, I left Bastrop. And it was before Bucky's was there. Yeah. <laughs> Bucky's changes a lot of things. So yeah, that area was completely wooded. There was nothing there. Yeah. Uh, but um, no, I, uh, I grew up there. I met my wife in high school. We met in calculus class. We graduated. I moved out. You know, it was a hard-headed 18-year-old. Uh, and so then, um, my wife and I, uh, got pregnant and then uh, it was the time to grow up. And so I, I went to school yeah. and, uh, worked and we both, you know, graduated and, uh, uh, I ended up moving to Houston and graduating from U of H. I don't know when that was, 2007. What'd you get your degree in? I got a degree in accounting, a bachelor's degree in accounting. So you really did want to do accounting. You want to do something like that. I did. I, I liked it. I always liked the numbers at first. I thought I wanted to be an engineer. Thank God I didn't do it. Uh, <laughs> You got to love it to be an engineer. Yeah. Well, and I just, you know, close enough isn't good enough for me. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's one thing. But uh, no, I, I fell in love with accounting right away and excelled in it through college. I got the awards, graduate with honors. I was in the uh, honors fraternity, all that good stuff. Awesome. But the, uh, I moved to Houston with an opportunity. Uh, there was a company that was working here that uh, had realized that there was a big gap in uh, age between people that were working and people that were coming in. And that the industry, you know, through untold how many cycles of downturns had let go of most of their talent in the accounting room. You're talking about the oil and gas industry? That's right. The, okay. They uh, typically, you know, when the downturn hits, right, layoffs come and the accounting department gets slashed first because companies view them as non, you know, revenue generating. Right. Ah, yes. And so what you had is you had, you know, a bunch of 25 year olds that didn't know what they were doing mm. and a bunch of older people that are retiring every day. Accounting had changed. Right. Right. And so nobody in between to kind of bridge that gap and, and then, you know, also make sure it's being done right. You know, he reached out, he hired a couple of us um, that were still in college, almost done. And, uh, you know, it was an opportunity to come Very nice. and work. Um, and uh, it was a win-win for, for, for us, right? It's, he gets to have cheap labor and we get to learn and, and get right. an opportunity that nobody else would have given us. And so that's where I got my start in, into this. Same type of industry, same accounting and same everything. Account, yeah, yeah. So we um, we started off, well, they, they're more siloed into just royalties. You know, okay. they, they don't really leave anything. You know, it's amazing how when you go into somebody's industry, 
There's a whole nother language, all these different acronyms, yeah. all these problems. And so, of course, I didn't know there was a royalty problem that could keep you totally employed and make an <laughs> entire career out of it. And it's the largest payable, right? So, I mean, you got to realize, I mean, if you're paying 18 and a half, 25% right off the top, and the only expenses you get to deduct are, are you know, the ones that they, the government deemed okay. Right. So, you know, the rest of those expenses is, you know, you're eating, you know, you're, you're, you're paying a hundred percent of the expenses on 75% of the revenue. Yeah. It, it becomes an issue to make sure you're, you're, you're not overpaying or underpaying because they can both be detrimental to you. Right. And I don't know from uh, my experience, you know, if you, you say there's small to medium sized companies, is that right? That's my clients. Yeah. Okay. So they're probably more focused on the production side and getting all that and well, they don't have the expertise that you offer, right? Correct. E&P companies are, are very traditional. Each department is responsible, you know, for what they do. Right. They don't want to share information. They want to, you know, that, that's what we do. This is, you know, and then, uh, um, you know, th that creates its own problems. Accounting is like the redheaded stepchild. And then, uh, you know, depending on the company, you know, the land department or the engineering operations department is going to be the rock stars. You know, they can do no wrong. Yeah. No one, no one thinks of the guy in the accounting office. No. Never. Um, you know, <laughs> Until they have a problem to solve. That's right. And so, you know, one of the things we like to do is we want to show companies that have you had you invested, right? Because we're going to come in and, you know, our work is going to find you money. And typically, you know, those refunds, you know, range three, five, ten million dollars. If the company would have just invested in their people, mm. they would have never missed that, right? right? And so now you're looking at a situation where revenue, the accounting department is revenue generating, and it could have been, and 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 it's not the accounting department. You know, that's management's fault for deciding that something didn't have worth when you know in reality, it did. And those layoffs may have been held off if we were able to recoup that money or, or, or just talk to the accounting office too, right? right? That's right. And, and, and what's going on. And so, um, you know, that, that creates opportunities for us though. So because of that, you know, I guess in, on the other side, I'm grateful, right? Because it allows for us to be able to have opportunities to come in and show these companies what they're doing wrong. And then typically, you know, leave with, you know, them in better shape and with more money in their pocket. So we were visiting earlier that you, when you go in, sometimes you have big successful stories. That's right. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. So, you know, to your point a second ago, you know, oil and gas, you know, an, an EMP company is, is focused on what they do. And what they do is, you know, they're producing oil and gas, right? And so being able to to understand the ins and outs of all the, the caveats of, of the flow, the production of, of what you owe, taxes, where you owe taxes, you know, those types of things, you know, that, that's not going to be their bread and butter, and, and so what we do is we're able to go in and, and, and identify areas and opportunities where there were overpayments, where deductions could be made, you know, where there were accounting errors. We come back with typically big fines, right? We like to say that, you know, we're never going to cost you any money because the money we find you will far exceed whatever I cost, mm. right? And you're able to keep that promise pretty good? For the most part, you know, I, I have to be careful because, you know, you, you, you never know what situation you're going to get in. There's, there's been times where, yeah, there's no doubt that we found money where they overpaid, but the other, the other errors were so bad <laughs> that, you know, we still save them money because, you know, the total bill was reduced. Right. Um, but but yeah, all the work you had to do to clean it up. That's right. And so, um, you know, we come in and we, when we do what we're looking for first is compliance, right? That's that's the big thing because if you're in compliance, you don't have to worry about interest or penalties, right? But then the second thing is is to maximize opportunities. So when we come into a company, you know, we're looking for those common things that companies most companies miss, and in turn has, has made us successful because you know we're we're finding these huge refunds. Uh, you know, we're a project where we get to go back for seven years. You know, over eighteen months, uh, um, our biggest fine was twelve million dollars. Wow! What did the company do? 
I mean, with that money. The accounting department got a bonus. Okay. Uh, it's one of the things that I lobbied for. Uh, and I do that for all of my clients. I, you know, I want the, you know, we, we, we don't want to come in and replace people. And that's a big misconception when you hire an outside group or even when you start to outsource, you know, part of those functions, right? Hey, we're going to let them do our monthly reporting because that's what they're good at. But now that allows that department to do what they're good at. And, mm-hmm. and the accounting world is like any other world. It's, you know, it's, it, yeah. there's, there's plenty of uh, other stuff to do. Well, I know recently we're making a change with our accounting and I have hired someone in-house to do the daily right. transactions, but we're a small company, but we want to grow and we want to position ourselves for people to invest in us. Right. So those reports have got to be accurate all the time. And I don't have that expertise. It's it's not in my lane. Right. And so hire a professional. Well, it's, you know, the, do what you do best, outsource the rest. So you have two sides of your business. Right. Your uh, project base and then reoccurring just maintenance. Because, well, you have monthly, so you have to file stuff monthly. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's every month there's calculations and files that have to be submitted to whoever the governing authority is. And uh, why not let us do it? Because, you know, we can do a better job. And we've proven ourselves now that we can pay for ourselves through making sure that we're maximizing your opportunities to reduce that liability. Yeah. It's really interesting to me that you have found such a narrow niche. niche. How do you say that word, right? So how did you get into that? I know you got it, you got your first job and it was similar industry and you know, you were mm-hmm. learning that there, but then you went off on your own. How did you do that? What did you have to learn? What kind of mentors did you have? Obviously it sounds like you're making a good living at it. I'm, I'm doing okay these days. Uh, uh, th- so I, I've, I've worked for one other company. I worked for that company for, uh, 14 years mm-hmm. and, uh, I had a lot of mentors uh, along the way. You don't realize in the time that those relationships and how they're going to affect you or mold you, especially as a younger person. Um, but looking back, you know, now is, you know, with a little bit of gray in my hair to say that, you know, how meaningful those were. And, uh, you know, I wish I would have taken the time to learn a little bit more. Right. And that's just a lesson that I have now going forward to, to make sure I don't lose out on. I, I worked my way up through that company became a manager and and then became a VP and then eventually became the CEO and was a CEO for five years before um, some unforeseen events caused me to make a decision to, to leave. So you did that and you decided to do something on your own. That's right. So was that scary? It was. Well, here's here's the thing. I, uh, I almost didn't do it. When I left, I, I was kind of burnt out. I was going to take some time off. I owed it to the family. Um, so I was going to take a couple months off. So how many kids you had by now? By then, I had three. Three. So, so my wife and I, listen, we, you know, we we did everything backwards. Um, back to that hard-headed thing. Uh, you know, we had our, our first child when we were nineteen, and then yeah. twenty-one for the second one. You know, that because we didn't think college was hard enough, right? <laughs> and then um, we had a Harvey baby, and so I got a little. Oh my god! Got a little four-year-old now. Uh, but so I was going to take some time off. Um, and uh, but you know, day three after being off, the phone's ringing. Client A. Where'd you go? What are you doing? We need you. You know, then B and then C and then, okay, you know, I have to make a decision. Right. Something, something's up here. I need to do something. Yeah. I didn't have the opportunity that I wanted to be able to take some time off, get my head straight. It was, if it was going to happen, it was going to happen now. It wasn't going to be another chance where I could jump into it with people ready to give me their business. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that was scary because, you know, I I was thinking of taking a, I was going to buy a food truck. So that was what I was doing. (laughs) That's what I want to do when I'm done with this. Is, is that's a called a hobby. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. I mean, that's what my wife said, but, and it didn't, you know, it, it didn't come to fruition yet. Not yet. When I got that phone call that, uh, you know, I needed to either a recognize that this is what I'm going to do, you know, or B, you know, come up with another plan. Right. Um, and so, uh, I jumped in, uh, the, the clients, I was so grateful. Listen, they believed in me enough to be patient, 
to offers and payments up front. Uh, I officed with one of them for six months. Was there a lot you had to, since you're a service-based company, so did you have to have proprietary software to do what you did? It's, it's a tax calculation, right? So mm-hmm. everything we do is, is based off of regulations, right? Statutes that are defined um, typically with lots of case law and other examples. And so when you look at proprietary software, that's kind of the reason we're able to make our mark is because people rely so heavily on software, they've forgotten how to do it. Mm. And so what we do is, you know, one of the things that I... <laughs> that's interesting you can say that. You're, you're right. Um, well, you should be able to do it on a piece of paper, right? right. And, and so what software is, the software is, is, is just a tool. It's a welding machine. It's no different. It's, it's, you know, you can upgrade your software so you can do more work. You can do faster work, but it's still just a tool. And if you, if you don't know what you're doing behind the scenes, then, you know, it creates all these problems. And so for us, you know, one of the things we have to do is being able to talk to all these different proprietary softwares that are out there because every company has the one that they're using and it's the best one because they spent all this money on it. And, you know, we're not going to talk about what's wrong with it. And so for us, no, you know, the proprietary software is the knowledge base, right? Is understanding how to do it. You know, regardless of what software the company is using, you know, the oil comes out of the ground. It's, you know, it's separated. It goes into a pipeline and it's sold. That doesn't change, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you can understand that and do that, then we apply that across the board. So no, the thing that, that t- took time was just setting up everything to be able to do the work, right? Because we had to start from scratch. You said, wait, did you have? I had some help. I left my previous employer, and so I got a phone call, and they they, they wanted to come work for me. Um, and I was, you know, that takes a lot of trust for them too. You must be, uh, you must be a leader in the workforce. I believe in my people. I'm only as successful as the people that work for me, and I uh, believe that I need to, you know, work for them, right? Um, right. And so, yeah, the people that I have, uh, we've been together for ten plus years. It took a lot of balls on their part because mm-hmm. well uh, all your families are impacted by it. right it's and a it's risk. a new company it's a risk and uh I, you know i'm forever grateful like i mean i couldn't have done it without them that comes with its own growing pains you know when you're, when you're as tight as a group we are sometimes you you can bicker like family and all those things too right but i have a great crew that has afforded us to be able to do what we've done and as quickly as we did it you know to be able to jump up and, and hit the numbers we've hit as quickly as we did, it, you know, it's, it's been a good thing. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Jeremiah, I'd like for you to share what surprised you most about being a business owner. All right, we'll be right back. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Thank you for listening to Small Business Insights. Today's show is sponsored by Business E-Suites. The E is for entrepreneurs. They help small business grow with their unique office solutions, affordable and flexible terms. It's time to let your business take off. All right, we're back with Jeremiah Anderson from Corvus Optimization Group. And at the break, I asked him, what could you share with us about what you've learned, what surprised you about being a business owner? It's lonely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, as the owner, there's, um, there's no one to go talk cry? to. No, no, <laughs> not at all. It's not a bad thing. No, I know, uh, but you're so right. I want to hear, I don't want to hear why you said that. It's not. A, so I, I, yeah, being lonely and be, being able to, to trust yourself is not a bad thing. Um, you know, be by yourself, but, uh, yeah, there's no one to go to. Yeah. There's no book. There's nobody for me to go talk to. When I have a problem, there's no question that I can go ask. I have to do it on my own. That is a scary part, right? That, uh, you know, you have to come up with a solution. Your client's relying on you. Your people are relying on you. And then the problems that just come with being an owner, right? I mean, this the headaches and, and you're always on call. And the, you know, the phone has always got to be there because you never know what, you know, what's going to come through. And you're always a salesman. You're always a salesman. And then finding other people that are in your circle, right? Because, you know, you, you've got this circle that you have your friends, your family. There's no one to relate to. 
you know, that part is difficult because when they're talking about their work problems, you know, you can kind of, you could take the approach of, well, they have no idea what a real problem is, but that's not fair. That's not fair. I mean, you I don't make I, friends doing that. No. Well, so I chose this, right. Yeah. Um, you know, so I can't bitch about my problems right. when it's, you know, I, I wanted to do this. So I don't look at it that way. It's more of just, uh, you know, sometimes after a hard day and you want to kind of talk to someone and get some perspective, that part can be a little, you know, it's just difficult, right? Yeah. Well, how big is your staff? Five of us. So it's four people and then me. And you're all located here in Houston? We are. We uh, we just moved actually back to Katy. Uh, we were officing downtown, but we don't like to drive. You were downtown? Well, I say downtown. I'm sorry. That's not fair. Uh, the Beltway. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's downtown for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, Houston's huge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. to go from one side of the city to another, it can at least be an hour and a half drive. It's not worth it. And uh, we like to work in the office. And so, um, you know, we, we work three days in and we're, we work at home for two days, but we like being in the office and there's a lot of collaboration that goes on and there's just yeah. only so much you can do over teams. The spontaneity is just lost. Yeah. And, and then grabbing a cup of coffee, just the side conversations that you have. You don't have those on Zoom. Yeah, I think it really impacts synergy negatively to, uh, I, I understand why people want to work from home, but at the same time, that, that feeling of being in a group, especially when you solve a problem together or you're working on a project together, you don't get that from, you know, each of you being in your home. Yeah. Um, so I like to have a hybrid of that. And then now we don't have to drive so far. That's good. So, uh, so you were telling me earlier that you made that decision to move for your employees, you know, so tell me how your relationship with your employees and maybe how you manage them. As a business owner, you know, sometimes the hubris can take effect and uh, you can value yourself more than your people. But in reality, you know, you're nothing without them. Um, you know, I don't want a, a one man shop or a service provider. And I have to make sure that the service we're providing is the quality, you know, that, that I set. And the only way to do that is to trust in your people and, and, and to put value in your people, right? And so the, those relationships become important, especially, you know, when you're dealing with life. Life gets in the way. People get sick. You know, people get divorced. I mean, there's all kinds of things that show up that you have to recognize as an employer. The drive time, that was a big one, right? You know, that's, that's time that they're, you know, I'm not with my family, which means they're not with their families. Right. You know, the difference between me and them is, you know, this is a decision. I, I, I chose this life. I chose to become an owner. You know, it's a job for them. They're trying to pay their bills. And the last thing they need is to spend more time in the car they're not getting paid for, right? Right. And so I try to view things that way as, as what would I like my boss to do for me, right? And and to make sure that I take care of them first. So, you know, whether that's, you know, bonuses or, or time off or, or whatever, I, I found that, and it's it's going to be a selfish thing, right? You know, I want to make, make sure that we, we understand, you know, you do this one because it's the right thing to do, but also it'll pay dividends for you in the back end. You know, those people are going to work harder for you that, you know, hey, I need I need a Saturday out of you. Yeah. Well, you're fostering loyalty. Right. Which um, and, and is, I, a, is an intellectual. That's right. And we've been together for these, you know, 10 years um, or more. Um, mm -hmm. So there's, you know, the loyalty is there, but it's, it's, it's loyalty is two way street, right? Mm -hmm. You know, people talk that these days that, that employees aren't loyal to their companies anymore. Well, that's because companies decided they were not going to be loyal first. It wasn't the employee, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, you know, I can see that, you know, there's more to life than just a job, but people do want fulfillment out of it. And the best way to do that is to show them how valuable they are. Yeah. You know, Training they, with respect. Right. The respect they deserve, um, you know, and so that when, when things are down, you know, they're going to be with you. And when things are up, they're going to be with you. And then when, that's allowed me to take a step back to not have to worry as much, which helps, you know, be able to focus on growing the business and doing other things. So what's in store for your company? Are you just finding more clients? You know, we, 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 we're trying, um, you know, every time we think we're about to get ahead and we, we've got some time, we, 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 we get more work. Um, I'm not complaining by any means, but uh, the next step is, is we've started a marketing program. Um, so I'm going to try to go get more work. Okay. Um, you know, we've, 
can be selected with who we target. I mean, the oil and gas industry is like everybody knows each That's other. That's right. Well, you're you're you'd be the new kid on the block, right? I am because there's there's competition out there, right? I mean, there was you know the place I used to work, and then uh, Ryan uh, LLC. They're I mean they're huge and and they're all over the place. They don't just do oil and gas; they do everything. But they're a, you know they're a massive competitor. But uh, the thing for us is to be able to do some things that they can't do, right? And so. That's the thing when I look at competition is, you know, what can I do? I can, well, I can change pricing, right? Well, that's easy enough, but I still have to make money. I can offer services that they don't offer. I can offer that touch that they won't get, the personal relationships. Right, maybe somebody t- call on the phone. That's right. And so Say, I don't understand um, this. Can you walk me through it? You know, my clients, you know, that I have now, um, you know, are, 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 you know, I have several that we've had for, since the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the former place, you know, clients for 10 plus years, right? So that they don't want to leave. Because they know that, it, look, this is being taken care of, right? And so that's kind of the way we try to differentiate ourselves between the competition is that you're going to get the, you know, the personal touch and know that it's going to be right. We're not there just to come in and get a quick refund and move on. We're there to fix it. And if we get the refund, that's great. But that's not why you hired me. We're going to wrap up the show. But before we do that, so someone needs to call you. So what kind of expert are you? And they go, I got to hire that guy. We're regulatory accounting, regulatory compliance experts, right? That's where we start. And that's going to be with whether that's severance taxes or royalties, mineral royalties from, you know, mineral interest. But second to that, you know, we're going to, we, we, we come in to redesign your system and your processes. One of the reasons we chose the name optimization was for that. We don't want to come in and correct the past while allowing the future to continue to make those same mistakes, right? We have to stop the bleeding, fix it and move forward. And that's what we do. We're going to come in, renovate the, the accounting system to make sure that it's working correctly to capture the opportunities that we find for you going forward and make sure that when we're done, it's as good as it can be. It cannot be any better. It's optimized. Who's your ideal customer? Ideal customers are going to be EMP companies, exploration and production companies. These are going to be the field woods, the Occidentals, um, you know, those, those types are going to be the bigger size companies. But what a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, most of the independents in our country are, you know, they're small companies, small, medium-sized companies. And, and that's who we're looking for, right? Specifically, if we're looking for regions, you know, we're heavily involved in deep water Gulf of Mexico. Um, we're working on 23 different projects right now. We're also in the shallow uh, water Gulf of Mexico and then Texas, Louisiana, New Mexico. Those are the areas that we... I'd say that's enough, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, where else is it? Well, there's, I mean, there's North Dakota, there's Colorado. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's a bunch of areas. There's Pennsylvania. But you're uh, sitting in the right state. Yeah, we stay right, right here. Uh, stay in our lane. So yeah, if, if, if you're looking for help with compliance with your, with your oil and gas, you know, uh, royalty, severance taxes, partner audits, anything like that, you know, we're going to be the company to call. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing with us how... You can make a living doing something very specific. Yes, ma'am. And that's good for any business owner because sometimes we try to divest or offer more than, I mean, you could say, hey, I'm also an accounting firm. That's right. You know, and you could get into a lot of other areas that just give you busy work that don't make you money. You know, um, it's one of those things where you can promote it to incompetence. You've heard that, Mm -hmm. right? You can do the same thing as a business owner when you get outside of your, your wheelhouse, you know, because you, you think that you can grow and you're in areas that you're no longer an expert in, right? should probably stay in your lane. Be an expert. That's, That's right. right. All right. So how can they reach you? Uh, you can check us out at our website, CorvusOG.com, C-O-R-V-U-S-O-G.com. And I'll put those in the show notes. Or shoot me an email. My phone number is, is on the website, but uh, I like email better. So. All right. And you have a LinkedIn profile I can Oh, LinkedIn. To? Yeah. Um, okay. We got a company page and you know, my own page. Awesome. It's a beautiful website. You should Thank check you. it out. It, it is a really cool website. Nice. It makes me like, wow, 
This looks really professional. Very, very nice. We put a lot of work into it. The, uh, the, the, the hope there is people see that it's neat, it's clean, it's to the point, just yeah. like us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'd love to have you come back. In a couple of years, let me know how your company's grown. Yes, ma'am. Because I suspect there's nothing but work to be done that's in this right. field. The only thing that's holding us back is us. Yeah. <laughs> Just got to go get it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. And until next time, you better be up to something. Thanks for joining us this week on Small Business Insights. Make sure you visit our website at fisherpodcast.com where you can follow the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform so you'll never miss a show. If you enjoyed and found value in today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating and review on iTunes or simply share it with a friend. That would help us out too. Make sure you tune in next week for our next episode. Until then, you better be up to something.